the Lord is in the house. When you sing the name of Jesus like that, he's in the house. He comes where he's worshipped, and he's welcome here. I'm Jamie. I'm new around here. Uh, We've been gone, but we're back, and we're glad to be back. We had a great conference. Let me just say the State of the Vineyard. We're at our national conference in Asheville, and the State of the Vineyard is good. And uh, I'm, I'm just grateful to see all the changes they've made and, and restructuring the vineyard and just the life and the worship and the presence of God and Jay and Danielle Pathak that lead us. Uh, it's just, uh, it's a good day to be part of a bigger family, the Big V Vineyard, and we're grateful. You know, we had our whole, a lot of our team up there, our staff, we had a staff retreat Afterwards, we went to this big house on top. I'm talking on top of a mountain. There was just one way. It was down. We were at the top. Incredible views. And uh, we had a, a great time planning the rest of the year and working together. It was, it was fun. But at the conference, one of my high points was, uh, how many of you have had a meal at the vineyard? You've eaten at the vineyard. Breakfast. Okay. Uh, what do we do at the vineyard? We eat. And uh, if we're having an event, we're eating. Like we have... UIO afterwards. You can just come and eat lunch and hang out, but we're going to, it's, we're going to lift the hood of the vineyard, look at the motor, kick the tires. It's the way in. It's the way to move from attending the vineyard to belonging to the vineyard. And it doesn't do any good to just be a spectator. You want to become a participant. You do that through coming to UIO. So I hope you'll show up right after this service lunch, and then we'll have uh, time together. But and we launch next week with our small groups. Uh, we'll have all next week. We're going to be talking about, I hope you'll be thinking about what group you're going to connect with uh, if you haven't connected to one. We're also going to launch another alpha uh, program, and, and we'll tell you more about that next week. But I just wanted, one of my highlights of the conference was Wednesday night, they had uh, Eleanor Mumford. She's, I don't know how old she is. She's older than, way older than I am, and uh, full of fire. She's the mother of Mumford and Sons, if you know the band, and they've been vineyard leaders forever, and they're just great people. She led ministry time, the fire of God, the power of God was there. Well, one of our, our usually I'm not going to go get prayer for staff members, who's usually in the kitchen, uh, decided I'm going to go get prayer. And let me just give you the backstory on the prayer, because, is he, are you here? Uh, because we sponsored a family, I think Rick, when he preached, which did a great job, Rick, uh, and, and didn't he do it? And uh, I, I think you alluded to it, but the, 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 the young man that came to pray, when you hear his story, was a family that wouldn't have been there if it wasn't for you. Seven kids, mom and dad lead a vineyard, little vineyard in Michigan. And they couldn't get to the conference and needed financial help. We sent a big chunk and enabled them to come. And they've sent thank you notes. They found us there and they cried over us. Well, the best thing they did is that they prayed over uh, Richie. So Richie, come on up. I want him to tell you his story. Uh, this is Mr. I'm not going to go get prayer. Richie boy uh, normally. And so now, now he's Richie at staff retreat telling us, why don't we do more prayer ministry? We need to get more prayer going for people. We need, all right, here, tell your story. 
This is why I generally don't talk. <laughs> so it was a, a prayer and worship night, Wednesday night, and Eleanor Mumford was up there, and she was preaching, and they were doing like little breakouts for prayer sessions. But she at one point said that she was at a student or a ministry that this young girl gave her heart to Christ, and it was a real, she worked on her all weekend, and she gave her heart to Christ, and this is a girl that used to have an issue cutting her legs. And so after she gave her heart to Christ, she ran to the bathroom crying because she was so emotional. And she looked in the mirror and she lifted up her pant leg and the scars from her cutting herself were gone. And so when she said that, like I got the chills and I said to myself, I believe that story, but I'd really love to see it for myself. So I challenged God at that moment. And uh, so at the time they asked for, during the prayer, the session, they said that we feel like there's people out there with shoulder issues, specifically rotator cuff shoulder issues that we'd like to, you know, if you want prayer, stand up. And I'm stubborn about prayer quite a bit. So I end up standing up. My wife's looking at me like, I can't believe you're standing up. And so these two kids come over to pray for me, which was kind of weird in itself, like two teenagers. They came over and they're asking me my name, asking me questions about the problems I have with my shoulders. And I explained it to them and they said, what's your pain level? And I said, well, it's not bad right now, but like a lot of times I can't sleep. It wakes me up all night, things like that. I can't lift my arms. And so they prayed for me and didn't think a whole lot of it. I thanked them. They were, and that's when the, the kid saw my name tag and he saw Cape Coral Vineyard and he goes, you sponsored our, my family here. Your church sponsored our family, which was a, just an awesome story in itself. And then they left and the next song started playing and I was about, I don't even know what I was doing. I just had my, I, I was taken by, you know, the worship and I had my hands over my head. And it was probably about 30 or 40 seconds in, I'm going, my hands are over my head. I look at my wife, I go, when was the last time you saw me be able to lift my arms up this long? Like when we do prayer here and you have to reach your hands up for people, generally I have to change hands every four or five seconds. But I sat there for a whole song with my hands over my head. And it was just wild. It really was. I mean, talk about instant healing. So obviously I was a believer going into it, but that helped a lot. <laughs> Good, man. But uh, that was, uh, you know, I just... When you know people, and you know he doesn't hype anything, and he had said for it's been quite like years since you were able to really fully extend, uh, been years, and now he's just like, now here's the deal: if God's going to heal you, are you going to worship Him? It's one thing to get relieved of the pain; it's another thing to use that freedom in a greater way to praise Him. Now, he'll still cheer better at a Pittsburgh game if they ever win one this year. He'll still, oh, you're still in the room. Uh, all right, all right, the mic's breaking up. It's breaking up. Go back in the kitchen. <clears throat> so we had a great time, and uh, we're glad to be home, and we're excited about the run that God has ahead of us. We're starting this new series called Knowing God. And I, I, I mean, it's, uh, uh, it's an engaging subject. Uh, we're, the subtitle is A Transforming Experience. And I want to talk to you just to introduce the message and what we're going to be dealing with in the days ahead. We're going to be in John 17 to start with, which is a, a, a full prayer of Jesus. It's the longest prayer of Jesus recorded in the Bible. Uh, and, and he's in his last nights before he's betrayed and crucified. Uh, and, and it's called the upper room. It starts in, in chapters 14, 15, 16, 17. Uh, in the upper room. He mentions the word father 46 times in four chapters. I mean, he's consumed in seven times in these chapters. He says, I'm going to the father. Now, most of us, if I ask you this morning, and don't blurt out an answer, but most of us, if I said, what is the definition of eternal life? 
most of you would have the word heaven in there somewhere. Most of you would describe it as, well, when you die, you go to heaven and that's eternal life. Grandma died and she's up there gardening with Jesus, which is a, a misnomer and we'll talk about that in a little bit. But that's not eternal life. Eternal life is not a place called heaven. Uh, if that's your concept, I'm going to hopefully rattle you a little bit this morning because that's not how Jesus describes eternal life. And we'll work our way to it. We're going to start in John 17 and figure out this morning, what is eternal life? John 17, 1. After, this, Jesus said, after Jesus had said this, he looked towards heaven and prayed. I love the body language. We tend to bow our heads. Nothing wrong with that. Humility, I teach men at our men's retreat uh, to take their hats off when we go to pray. Uh, just a sign of, of, uh, of honor. The Lord doesn't care. It's not a religious deal. It's just an honor thing. If you'll notice me, if you were with me at the conference or wearing a ball cap, a lot of vineyard folks wear ball caps. And, uh, uh, and, and when I come to pray, I'm going to take my hat off. Uh, but Jesus lifted his head. He didn't bow it. He looked. It's, it's just kind of a, sometimes it's a good thing to practice prayer where just lift your head up. Don't look down, look up. Now, you're not looking up to try to find God in the, the clouds or the sky or whatever. He, God dwells in the spirit realm. It's a different dimension. It's not just that God's up. It's he's other. But Jesus is lifting his eyes off the fact that he's going to be betrayed by someone that he loves. He's about to go to a cross, be beaten, whipped, and scourged. He's about to die a horrible death. But he lifted his eyes. And I think it's just a body posture that time during the day, hopefully sometime in, in worship, that you lifted your head up. You lifted your eyes to say, God, I want to look beyond politics, beyond the internet, beyond the troubles in the world today. Look up. Look up. If you look down, you'll be depressed. Amen? If you stare down long, just look on this level. You're depressed. It's, there's, not, there's, not, there's not much good, at least that the news talks about. There's a lot of good things. You didn't hear on the news, Richie Boy, chef at the vineyard, got healed at the National Vineyard Conference. Let's celebrate that on the internet. No, it's a laser beam that blew up this. You know, it's just the internet is insanity. If you stare at it long enough, something bad's going to happen to you. I don't know what, but something bad. If you stare up, Something good's going to happen. So Jesus opens his heart, unveils this prayer, and it starts in verse, uh, the end of verse 1. Father, the time has come. Glorify your son that your son may glorify you. For you have granted him authority over all people. That's you, me, every race, tongue, tribe. and He's Lord over all to give eternal life to all those you have given him. So there's something in the nature of eternal life that's a gift. It's something that Jesus has the authority to give. Only Jesus. There's no one else that has the authority to grant or give eternal life. It's a, it's a gift. It's grace. Give eternal life to all that. What is eternal life? Verse 3. Now, this is eternal life. Now, just stop for a second. How would you have answered that? I know you could read the verse and you can cheat, uh, but, and it's up on the screen. But, but the reality is, 
most of us would not answer it with the way Jesus did. Jesus isn't going to define eternal life by how long you live, though it's eternal, and it has the word life. It's, it's, it basically, he's speaking about life of the age to come. This is what the life is going to be in eternity, and he's going to describe it in the, in the language of intimate relationship. Now look what he says, verse 3. Now this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I have brought you glory on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. Now, he hasn't technically done it, but he's about to do it, and it's just as well done. He's about to sacrifice his life on the cross. That's not all he came to do, but that's the culmination of the work. Verse 5. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. Eternal life is this, that they may know you, like I do is the implication, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you sent so that people can know you. That's the kind, it's kind of a circle here. Jesus said, you know, the Father has sent me so that you can know him. And when you know him, you know he sent me. Knowing God, what does that mean? Well, let's start first of all with what it doesn't mean. It doesn't mean religiously that I know about God and I can pontificate lots of Bible stuff and doctrine and, and, and concepts and ideas, but none of that ever changes anybody. That's why you want to learn about all these TED Talks and all the little internet, you know, nice. And that's fine, but that's not going to change your life. What will change your life is what Jesus is talking about, is an encounter with a living God that you meet him. And when you meet him, you're never the same again. So, you could ask yourself the question, don't blurt it out. I can't answer it for you. You can. But do I know God? Let me step back for a second and first talk about God knowing you. I think that's one of the miracles in the Bible that God wants a relationship with us so much so that he's been keeping an eye on you before you were in your mother's womb. He told Jeremiah in chapter 1 in Jeremiah, before you were in your mother's womb, I knew you. I knew what you were going to look like. I knew what your eye color would be. I formed you. Psalm 139 talks about in our secret places and the secret parts. And God knit us together. God had known of me before I ever gave a hoot about him. It's terrifying to people in the world to think that God knows them. Because the implication is he knows everything. Everything hidden, everything lied about, everything done in secret. He knows you. The miracle is nobody knows me like Jesus. And nobody loves me more than Jesus. That's a miracle. If if, if, if I could give him a reason not to love me, I've given him a thousand. But he loves me, and he loves you. The only person that comes anywhere near knowing me, like Jesus does, is my wife. And the miracle is, she's lived with me for 45 years. And she still loves me. If I knew me the way she knows me, 
I don't think I'd be with me. I know I wouldn't come hear me preach. If you knew me the way my wife knew me, you'd be in another church. That's true. And then you'd get to another church and then you'd find out the same thing's true about that guy. You know, I, I, but God knows you. He wants a relationship. The reason he sent Jesus, go back to this verse again, verse 3. Now this is eternal life that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you sent because he sent Jesus so that Jesus could show us who the Father is and that Jesus could remove every obstacle and every barrier to you getting to know the Father. Two things. Christ is the revealer. He's what's God like? Get to know Jesus. How do I get to the Father? Through the Son. He removed every barrier, every obstacle. To know God isn't an intellectual pursuit. People that know more about, there are people that know more about this Bible than I ever thought about. But they don't know the God that wrote it. One of Pastor Kim's turning points in her walk with God early on was being discipled in a youth group. And one of the youth leaders said to them, when you read the Bible, you need to learn to read it as a love letter from God. That'll change how you read the Bible. Now, not everything in the Bible is, is you know, warm, fuzzy, and, you know, it, that you read. You're not going to read Leviticus and go, well, there's a love letter from God. He was, he was big on killing things and putting blood all over everything. And, and, you know. But if you read this chapter alone, Chapter 17, you read it as God's heart and his love letter for you. John Wimber would say it this way, who founded the vineyard. He said, the Bible is like a menu. It's, it, you see what is being offered and you order from it. Can you imagine next time you go into a high-end restaurant and the, the waiter or waitress hands you a menu and you just take a big, giant ch- crunch out of it. You just start chewing it. And you say, excuse me, this food is terrible in this restaurant. This menu is dry, it's overcooked, it's tasteless, there's no sauce on it, it tastes like cardboard. Sir, that's because it is cardboard. You're not supposed to eat the menu, you're supposed to order from the menu. When you take the Bible, if you just read it and don't let it take you to the buffet of God, The Bible is written that we could get to know God better. If it becomes an end and of itself, then it's going to be a barren, dry book for you. But if it's the living God that you've met, that you're getting to know, that's revealing himself to you through his word, now it takes on a whole new dimension. Jesus said, this is eternal life. Not some place you're going to die and go to. That's why I have such deep reservations about these TV, you know, people that get on and they write back, oh, they died. And there's, there's one lady that's on, 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 apparently on the internet regularly and she goes to heaven on a regular basis. I'm like, really? Paul did once. God wouldn't allow him to talk about it and gave him a thorn the rest of his life. So I'm going to say, I don't think you're going there. I don't care how many butterflies you see when you go there and rainbow brights that are running around and animals that talk to you. I I, I don't care. Because that's not what heaven is. Heaven isn't a bells and whistles, colors and smoke. and It's God. 
And where he is now is his life, is in his being, it's in his presence, it's in knowing him. That's why Jesus says seven times, I'm going back to the Father, because that's where life is. That's where home is. The Father is, where, and where he isn't, is the opposite of whatever heaven is. Look in Ephesians. Let me just give you the opposite of, of, of not knowing God. In Ephesians, if they'll throw that up there, chapter 4, verse 18, it's talking about people that don't know Jesus. This was my life before Christ. This is your life now if you don't know Christ. They are darkened in their understanding. Again, it doesn't mean they're not brilliant. You can be a brilliant person, science and, and all kinds of whatever, but you, you're, you're spiritual. You're talking about heart knowledge here. And he says you're darkened in your understanding and you're separated from what? The life of God. That's what it means to not know God is to have not connectedness with his life. You may know about him, but you don't know him. Because you don't have a relationship with him. And because of the ignorance that's in them, do the hardening of their hearts. And so there's a, there's a challenge to say this morning, do I know him? Now I'm not talking about am I perfect? Or do I know everything about him? But have you met him? You can't meet him and stay the same. Go back to John 17. Look at the last two, two uh, verses of chapter 17 and the prayer that Jesus prays. Jesus says this, Righteous Father, this is verse 25. Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, it's alienated. That's why it's stupid. The world is stupid. I don't care how smart they are. They're stupid if they don't know God. They're, they're stupid in their understanding of life and meaning and solving of problems. And it's a mess because they're trying to figure out life without God and they don't know him. And I don't fault him. I was stupid without God. We're, we're ignorant. We're blind. We're, we're trying to solve problems when we make bigger problems. That's how you know someone that doesn't know God is they try to solve a problem and they make the problem bigger and everything's worse. God is a... God who solves problems, but not in the way the world does. Jesus says, righteous father, though the world does not know you, I know you. Now listen to me. I like to hear what Jesus says about God because he spent eternity with him before he came to earth. There's no one else that can tell you about God like Jesus. He said it this way. If you've seen me, you've seen him. Now he wasn't talking physical characteristics. Talking about his character, his nature, his being, his humility, his kindness, his mercy, his, his love. Have you ever, you, ever, you, probably, you may not have this happen to you as much as I get the blessing of uh, meeting people. Go, oh, you're Jamie Stilson. They know your name, but they don't know who you are. You're at the vineyard. I, we knew so-and-so that used to go there. They talked about you all the time. And I thought, Wonderful. That's different than as I was writing the book of Job, uh, on Job, and uh, I was writing a chapter about a 19-year-old that was uh, in our church and killed on McGregor Boulevard, going 120 miles an hour late at night, broke up with his girlfriend, Chris. I was writing about Chris's story. While I'm writing about his story, a day later I find out that this has been 
a lifetime ago, what, 30 years ago that he died, 30, or 20, 27. He's in high school with our, our daughters. He's going to be a medical student. Killed instantly. And I was talking about the trauma that I went through having to tell the family. And Well, the dad, Rick, died a day after I wrote that story. I had never got a chance to celebrate with him. And, uh, and, and it was you, uh, Bob, wasn't it you guys, that you were with him the week before he died. You'd see him at the Thai restaurant and stuff. You guys would have a meal with him. And he was talking about me, wasn't he? But see, when she said that, I didn't get all paranoid because I know Rick loved me. And when Rick talked about me, and we went to Aruba together, and he's got stories to tell, and I'm sure he told some of them, and they, they weren't all good stories either. But anyway... <laughs> But I, 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 wouldn't, I didn't go to bed going, oh, my, what, what did Rick tell him? I don't know. What did Rick? I knew. Same thing, I'd be talking about him. When somebody knows you and loves you, they don't misrepresent you. They, they, they don't highlight your negatives. But here's the thing about Jesus and God. He's got no negatives to highlight. Now, you hang around me long enough, you're going to find them. It doesn't take real long. You're going to find the negatives. If you got a friendship with anybody and you haven't discovered any negatives, you don't know them. They're lying to you. They've deceived you. There is no friend you can have that doesn't have deficiencies, brokenness, sin. But Jesus, when he comes along and he says, I know him, he knows him. And there's nothing that you're going to find out about God and go, oh, I wish I'd have never known that. Wow. That's going to be hard to love him now. It's just going to be tough. It's going to, I can work through it, but it's going to be an issue. No, Jesus said the world doesn't know you, but I know you. And the implication is there, and you're wonderful. You're, look what he goes on to say. He says in verse 25, but I know you, and they know you that, they know that you have sent me, verse 26. I have made you or your name known to them. This is what Jesus came to do. This is what Jesus is doing right now through his word. He wants to make the Father known to you so that you can know him. And in knowing him, you'll have eternal life. You have a relationship with the God who is life himself. And Jesus says in verse 26, I've made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me, which is eternal, amazing, the love you have for me may be in, say it with me, them. You is them. If you know him, you're the them. He loves you. Like he loves Jesus. That's mind-boggling. Think of your deficiencies, your sinfulness, your stubbornness. And he loves you? It's a miracle. Say, I'm a miracle. I'm a miracle. You are. I wouldn't love you. If I knew you the way God knows you, I, there's no way. It's a miracle. So stop hiding from him. Stop pretending. Stop performing. 
Just know he loves you. He knows you. And he's inviting you to know him as Jesus concludes this in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. Knowing God is a journey that begins with meeting Jesus as our Savior. You know, one of the funniest things ever, I got a privilege of leading this guy back to Jesus, and it was back before cell phones. And how many can remember those days? B.C., before cell phones, B.C.P. The rest of you have never been in a phone booth, dropped a dime. You never had to drop it. You probably heard of dropping a dime in other ways, but this is dropping a dime to make a call. Get your mind out of the gutter. So I'm on one end, and I'm praying with this guy. He's in the phone booth. But you know, when somebody else wants to make a call, back then they'd, they'd press you. Because you've been on that phone too long, and they got to make a call. I know you can't relate now because you can just call anybody anytime you want to. Back then it's like I had to stop, get out of my car, get a dime, go in a phone booth, put the dime. So I'm leading him back there. He's, so I'm on one end leading him in a prayer. He's on the other end going, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. He's crying. You got to know this guy's standing outside. He's listening to him. And this guy says, I know, Jesus. Thank you. I want you in my life. All of you. Take all of me, Jesus. Yes. Yes, Lord. Yes, I believe in you. Yes. And he just cried himself through the prayer, and I blessed him, and he hung up. He said, when he opened that door to walk out that thing, this guy literally ran away. He's like, Jesus is on that phone. I'm not getting on that phone. I'm not going to pay a dime to talk to Jesus because I don't want to know what Jesus has to say to me. I don't think he likes me, but he does like you. Wouldn't that be great if you could just drop a dime, go on a phone and pick up? You, you, you don't need to drop a dime. You just drop to your knees and say, Jesus. Jesus said, I know him. I want you to know him. You know, there, there's some people that you, you can know. I, I have a friend that I talk about. If you've been around me, I, I've talked about him. His name's Bob. He died, Doug, you'll remember because you let me know. I was writing, I saw it in my Bible the other day. I was preaching through uh, Moses parting in the Red Sea, and you came by as I was preaching, let me know, because I knew he was about to die. But Bob's one of those gifts that you get in life. If you get one of them, you're grateful. But he was a friend, had been a friend for life. He'd been my, my brother my mentor, my friend, uh, just, he, he just, I can tell more Bob stories than you, you can. And I can tell you all day about Bob. And you can feel like you almost know Bob. But until you sat down and had a meal with Bob, and he put his head back every time he took Kim and I out, which was a lot, he put his head back and he'd always say this, Jamie, Kim, be good to yourselves. That meant get the lobster and the steak. And I'm like, okay, Bob, did you see the price? Be good to yourselves. I miss Bob. I can't, but I can describe him to you and you could appreciate him. But if you had the chance to sit down and had a meal with him, you'd say, I know Bob Mandershot. I know Bob Mandershot. What a guy. Could have been a king in another life. What a guy. How did he love Jesus? He loved life, loved his wife, loved his family. But I'm going to tell you something. I can talk about Jesus all day. But if you don't meet him personally, there's that disconnect. You know about him. You maybe know, wow, he's, he's, he's awesome. 
but I don't know him. I don't have a relationship with him. Now, I'm not talking about some weirdo, you know, relationship where you hear voices. And, you know, I'm just talking about a knowing that when you know someone, you know them. And when you know God, you know him. When you don't know him, you don't know him. Because here's the deal. If you know him, you have eternal life. And if you have eternal life, you're different. You cannot meet God, surrender your life to Jesus Christ, know God, and live the same you've always lived. You don't know him. You can't live unlike him in every area and say, I know him. Because knowing him involves a relationship with him. And when you have a relationship with him, it affects who you are, how you live, what you do, your priorities, your values. Who I was when I met God was a mess, lost, blind, everything that verse we looked at in Ephesians. But since then, God's been at work in me. Not like the, the back of a, a semi-truck we saw when you're traveling. It's got this mean-looking face and this fan going out and said, Did you pray today? I'm on the back of a semi. I'm like, Really? Does that make you want to pray? No. An angry face of God. Did you pray today? Did you say your prayers? How about, hey, I miss talking to you today. That makes me want to talk to him. When you know him, you know he's not angry because you didn't pray. He's sad that he missed you. When you know him, you know some things people say about him. I'm going to go out on the limb and say, that's not the God I know. You know, I'm real careful to speak for God when it's in areas that are unspoken of in the Bible. I have a lot of confidence of speaking of things that are clear in the scriptures, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to tell the mysteries of God of, of what happened to the fire and why and why. I don't know. How can I speak to that? I can tell you this about God. He weeps over those people that got burned up. He weeps over their homes that have been destroyed. He weeps with those who weep. He mourns with those who mourn. He cares about them. He hears the cries. That's what I can tell you about him. I can't answer the mysteries of why Ian came over us. I can't explain why some people's homes were destroyed and others were spared. I can just tell you, though, that he cares and he loves. And I know him enough to know that there's no joy in his heart over any suffering in the world today. That's why he sent his son. So let me just say this. Jesus is the perfect representation of God the Father. And if you want to know the Father, get to know the Son. And if you get to know the Son, He'll teach you of the Father. And the joy of who the Father is, the delight. You hang out with, if you hung out with me enough, you'd want to say, I wish I knew that Bob Mannershot. Man, I feel cheated. I didn't get to know him. I've had friends and staff members tell me that. I wish we, and I, I, I want to be that contagious when I talk about Jesus. I, I don't want to talk about him in such a way that people get like all creeped out and I don't want to be around him. But I want to just talk about how good he is, how kind he is. I want to talk to, about him naturally to people. I don't want to get some weird voice and get all religious and, and, and just, just to, to remind people how, how much God cares about them. And, and he wants to know them. That's the miracle here. It, 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 let me just say it this way. It's easy to get to know God. It's easy. 
A.W. Tozier, who's a brilliant writer, I've read, read many of his books, his book on the knowledge of the holy, he says this about knowing God. He said, it's, it's equally true, both things are equally true, that it's very easy to know God, but it's extremely difficult to know God. What he meant was, to know God is a gift that if you want to know him, he's ready to give you the gift. He wants to be known. That's why he sent his son. Now, the difficult part is, once you get to know him, it's going to challenge everything that you believe. Everything that you, it's going to challenge your stubbornness, your sinfulness. It's going to challenge your habits and hang-ups. It's going to challenge your priorities. It's easy to argue with a church. It's easy to argue with religion. It's easy to argue with a pastor. But when you face God, and you say, God, what's your opinion of this? Does it matter? It better if you know him, you want to love him. And if you love him, you want to serve him. If you serve him out of any other motive than I know him, then you're going to miss him. Because you serve him because you know him. You can't love him just out of some mushy, you got to know him. And how do you know him? He sent his son so that we could know him. Jesus said, I know him. Do you? He'd love to tell you about him. His whole heart and life was to come to reveal him and to remove the barriers, the obstacles that are in our way of knowing God, which is why he died on the cross. He removed the barriers. So I don't have to perform to get God to know me. God knows me and he's inviting me into a relationship that's been going on for eternity to join them. You ever walked into somebody that's already having a good time? It's an adjustment because you're not having a good time. But you walk in and they're having a good time. And you didn't interrupt their good time. They're like, hey, come on in. But you're not having a good time. When you walk into Jesus and the Father and the Holy Spirit, they're having a good time. He's not all bound up about the world. He's not reading the internet going, oh, myself, what am I going to do? There's so many opinions out there. Which one do I believe? I'm all, I'm all angst out. He's having a party. Now, that's not that he's frivolous. If you walked in on him when he's praying and weeping over Hawaii, then you're going to walk in on him and you'll get to know his heart because he's weeping over Hawaii. He's weeping over you and your pain. But he's also having a party. And when you get in on it, they're, 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 he's not lonely. God didn't make us to know us because he was lonely. He made us because it was so good, he wanted to just share the goodness with others. Like him. He made us in his image so we could know him. In ways angels can't know him. They know him, but not like we can. Not like you can. It's a gift that the God of the universe wants to have a relationship with you, and that will never end. He'll never unfriend you. Or block you. You may feel like that, but that's never gone. What Jesus is talking about starts here and never ends. So when I die, it's a continuation of that life that I began here. And then when I get my body back out of the grave, it's a continuation of the life that I had here in eternity of knowing him. I'll never arrive at everything there is to know about him. 
Church gets boring. It always kills me when people, ah, church is dry and boring. Is God dry and boring to you? Now, I get it. If we've made him dry and boring, shame on us. To me, it's one of the worst sins a preacher could ever commit. Make God dry and boring. How do you do that? You forget who he is. You forget he's life itself. But church gets dry. The Bible gets dry. Prayer gets dry. Singing gets dry. Everything can get dry if it's disconnected from knowing him. So, what's the solution? Get back to him. Lord, I want to know you. I want to seek you. Because if I know you, I'm going to love you. If I love you, I'm going to trust you. If I trust you, I'm going to enjoy you. If I enjoy you, I'm going to serve you. It's all born out of knowing him. So, let the Lord remove the obstacles, the barriers. Your first step might be, I've never said, I want to know you. I've never said yes to Jesus. You can't know God on your own trying to figure it out. You know, God, it's a gift. Jesus gives you the gift of knowing God. That's eternal life. It's a gift. You have to receive it. Then it begins the journey of growing in it. And that is difficult. And we'll talk more about that in the days ahead. But let's pray at this, this moment. Let's take a, take a moment here and just, uh, the Lord's in the house. This is, if, if Jesus has a favorite subject, this is it. If you can feel that and know that the Father delights and longs to have relationship with his children, that's you. If you're online, that's you. He knows you. Don't let that terrify you. He knows you. That's why he sent his son to give his life a sacrifice to remove those obstacles and barriers that would keep you and keep me from being able to enjoy a relationship with the living God. So if you're here today and you just can't answer that question affirmatively, you don't know. I don't know if I know him or not. Well, then just settle it. The assurance is crucial to grow in knowing him. If you keep going back, keep going back trying to Figure out, do I know him? I don't know. Let's go back. Do I know him? I don't know. Let's go back. Settle it and then start growing in knowing him. So you say, Jamie, how do I settle it? It's a surrender of trust. You say, Jesus, I want to know the Father. Give me that gift of eternal life. Just to ask him. That's his desire. He wants it more than you could ever dream about. He's been waiting for some of you. I see somebody at their early age. I think it's like nine years old. And you're traumatized by something. Traumatized to something horrible. And I see the father looking over you at nine-ish. He's like, I want to know you. You don't know me yet, but you're going to. I know the pain. I was there. I was there. Give it to me. Let me take that. Let me take you. He knows. He knows. Now he wants you to know him. 
church, not religion, not your mom or dad's religion. This is a relationship with the living God who we get to call Papa, Father, Daddy, our God and Father. Jesus, give courage as we come to just uh, minister in this time. In Jesus' name.